going to continue in worship this morning by studying God's Word together. I'm going to jump right in. If you, don't, if, you didn't, if you brought a Bible this morning, I want you to take it out real quick for me, if you brought one. If you didn't bring one, grab one off the end of the row next to you, because we're going to jump in here this morning right into the Word, but I want to show you a trick. There's two books that are kind of right in the middle of the Bible. It's Proverbs and Psalms. And so if you take your Bible and you crack it in half, like an egg, well, mine came to Jeremiah, but that gets you really close, I think, and then you've got to go one way or the other for a minute. Feel free to wander amongst yourselves, looking for the Psalms. It's kind of in the middle. Oh, it's to the left in my Bible. I don't know which direction it is for you. Did you guys find the Psalms yet? Oh, you guys are so much faster than me. That's awesome. Psalms were written as poetry and songs for God, right? What we just did, singing God's glory, remembering what the prophet Isaiah said, that the the seraphim would hover around his altar 24 hours a day, singing holy, 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 and you and I got to be part of that just now. I don't know if you were blessed. Were you blessed by that? Praise God. See, I have my bookmark here. I could have cheated and went right there. See that? All right, pastors cheat. I want you to read Psalm 146, by the way, if you're not, you're not there. I didn't give you the heads up. I want you to read this together this morning, not together, together. I just want to read it, but I want you to put eyes on it with me. Psalm 146, I'm just going to read it as we enter, enter into the word today. The song goes this way. Praise the Lord. By the way, that's hallelujah, literally. It's hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Verse 2. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes or in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that day, listen to what the word says, all their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. Yahweh sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed low. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Listen, your God, O Zion, for all generations. And the psalmist ends the same way he started. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're spending a third week in this little mini-series we did called Being on Mission. And we've been talking about what it means to be the church together, right? And we, had, we have had some awesome times last three weeks. I mean, the chance to have a meal together last week and the chance to remember the simple hospitality Uh, hospitality that was the mark of the church of Jesus. I don't know if you guys are in a family group. We've been so blessed by the family group we're in this season. 
I hope you guys have been blessed if you're in one. I hope if you're not in one, you think about getting in one. It's not, it's, it's not complicated. Getting together and breaking bread and then opening the word of God and praying for one another. That's exactly what the early church did. And there's a mystery in that, but God shows up and serves us. And today in this third week, we're going to talk about the church. We've been going to the book of Acts, like a, just a few kind of segments in Acts here. And we talked that first week about the four markers, you know, being hospitable, having fellowship. That means being committed to one another in and out of season, doing life, some would say, breaking bread, having food, and praying, Right? And then last week, we asked that question, like, where do you fit in God's plan? And, and I know some of you probably don't think you do. I mean, some of you probably think, you know, I, I tell you, a long time ago, um, I heard a really tragic uh, story, um, a really tragic song, and it's by this r- really famous songwriter, musician called Kurt Cobain. You know Kurt Cobain? You know who he is? Anybody? Like three of you. Good job. Right? Nirvana. You know, the whole 90s grunge movement from Seattle or whatever it was. You see, Kurt Cobain, he went to church when he was a kid. Did you know that? He went to church when he was a kid, and they taught him songs about Jesus. And one of the songs they taught is that Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. You ever heard that song? Anybody been to church and hear that song? All right, see, I had never had heard that song. Because I wasn't raised in church. Well, I was raised in church, but I wasn't raised in, I don't know what, you know what I mean? Church like you guys, I don't know how you guys were raised. But Kurt was taught as a little kid, Jesus wants you for a sunbeam, right? But as his life began to unfold and things didn't add up, and he kind of spiraled in his life, and I don't even know all what was going on. I'm not a Kurt Cobain expert. There are people who just worship him. I mean, worship him. But I was stunned whenever I heard a song he did on MTV Unplugged. And you know what it was called? Anybody know? Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. See, he had taken this teaching he had as a child, and he turned into this life mantra that whatever God is doing in the world, he does not want me to be part of it. And he believed the lie until he took his own life. Oh, don't believe the lie, church. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for every person here. Don't believe the lie. Today, the psalmist opens us up and he says, trust God, not men. Trust the plans of what God is doing. Last week, we asked a question, where do you fit in God's kingdom. It's interesting because everyone has a role and everyone has something that God would like them to do. We have a choice in the matter, interestingly enough, obedience as his followers. And so we talked last week about the appointing of the deacons, those who are servants, those who are taking care of the needs of the the believers. And it's just stunning to me how, how elegant the solution was. How, how beautiful God's plan is for his church. And today we're going to move ahead a few more chapters. So we were at chapter 2 and then chapter 6, and today we're going to talk through a few starting in chapter 8. So if you want to turn your Bibles to chapter 8 of the book of Acts. 
give you just a minute. I want to pray as we continue in God's word today. Uh, join me in prayer. Father, today we are desperately in need of revelation. We have no knowledge of our own. We have no good ideas of our own. We have no understanding of the future or even the past on our own. Father God, be our great interpreter today. Write your word on our hearts that no one would need to convince us of your love. Throw the ignorance and foolishness and stupidity and sin out of our minds and hearts and fill it with your godly wisdom. And may we continue to worship you as we learn, learn about you and who we are in you. May we not believe the lie of the liar, but the truth that you give us every day to live on. We'll give you glory and praise because you are worthy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to do Acts chapter 8. Verses 1 through 4 is all we're going to read. It's on 764 if you use one of our Bibles. It's an easy way to find it by page number. You can always use table of contents, by the way. There's no embarrassment in that. Today we're going to hear this story. This is right after 6, you know, obviously Acts 6 and 8. And Stephen's one of those guys who's appointed. Stephen was appointed as a deacon. But I'm just going to pick up here in verse, chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul was there giving approval to the death of Stephen. Stephen was the man full of wisdom and the spirit. And Saul was there whenever Stephen was killed for his faith. It cost him his life. And the word says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Continuing, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned greatly for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off women and men and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I want you to get a visual of what happens here, right? There's this brand new little church, man, and it's growing like crazy, and God's spirit is being poured out on it. And in the middle of this, they have these overwhelming opportunities to serve and love, and they start appointing leaders, and everything's going great in the church. Great. And then people show up and begin to persecute them. This guy saw, right? And Stephen, the man full of spirit and wisdom, is killed for his faith. He's killed for his faith. goes on to say that Saul set out to destroy the church, that there is an enemy that would seek to drag you from your home and drag you from your worship meetings into the streets. I, I, I'm, I'm stunned by the fact that it says that men and women were dragged from their homes because of their faith. Does that surprise you? I mean, can you imagine a situation where you're sitting at home, hanging out, and someone knocks on the door, and they come in, and they drag you away because of what you believe? Can you imagine? And this is what's happening. Men and women being dragged down the street and thrown into jail. Later in the book of Acts, we realize that they were being, they were being tortured so that they would renounce the gospel. Paul later calls it blaspheming. 
speaking against God. They were tortured so that they would speak against the truth of the gospel that Jesus died for all men, for all their sins, and that he is God in the flesh. And this is exactly what Saul did not want shared. And they persecuted him. You know what Paul, Paul says later in Acts? Paul says that some did blaspheme because of the torture. So the church was scattered, right? Church was scattered. That's what it says in verse like one and a half. I don't know what that is, right? Right before verse two, the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, I don't know what you think is happening in the book of Acts here. And I don't know what you think this has to do with being on mission together. But it strikes me that in the middle of this great opportunity, the church begins to be destroyed, right? Just when everyone would say it's going great, man, the church in Jerusalem is going to rock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone's going to come and worship with us. You know, we're going to take the temple. It's going to be awesome. And into this place, persecution comes. And the, the disciples of Jesus, the methetes, those who are learning to be like him, learning to love like him, learning to serve like him, are instantly dragged from their homes and scattered all through the region. It, it's easy to believe the lie that God is like, whoa, what's happening? Right? This isn't what I wanted. I want to remind you of our marching orders. This comes from Jesus' lips in the end of the Gospel of Matthew. I've shared this with you many, many times, but I don't think we can hear it enough. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's Jesus' instructions to the church. Church. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's still our marching orders today. That's our job as believers in Jesus, to do that work. And maybe you're like me, and you're like, man, I don't, how do you do that work? How do I, well, Bill, what do I do? What, do, what does that mean? I think uh, sometimes we're willfully ignorant of the obligation. <laughs> Is that harsh? I mean, we choose to act like, well, that's so confusing, Lord. <laughs> All nations, what's that mean? People groups, places, I don't know, baptizing. Do we have to put them underwater? Can we just sprinkle them with water? Swimming count, you know what I mean? <laughs> the hot tub, you know what I'm saying? Teaching to obey everything, Jesus? I'm not sure I obey everything, Jesus. Look at the beginning of the book of Acts. This is what Jesus said to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He said, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you hear it? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. 
when my Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He, he didn't say, when my Holy Spirit comes on you, you might be my witnesses. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you feel like being my witnesses, you might be my witnesses. He doesn't say, when you feel like you have enough knowledge to explain the gospel clearly, whenever you have enough Jesus in your life, you're going to go be my witnesses. That's not what he said. Nope. He said, you will be my witnesses. Listen to the connection. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Huh. Isn't that interesting? See, the psalmist writes, count on the plans of God, but really it's the only plans we can count on. The song we sang today said, in your will, I find my peace or my freedom, right? But are we, are we doing that? I, I don't know, you know. I want to read on here and uh, see what happens. You see, just, we're not going to read a lot of the text, but I want you to run through with me because when the persecution breaks out and the church is scattered, okay, it says, um, Saul began to try to destroy the church. That was his goal now. And then picking up right there, we'll see, starting in verse 4, not going to read, or verse 5, but Philip goes to where? Samaria, right? He goes to Samaria. And the, the gospel begins to be preached there. And there's a sorcerer there who's so intrigued by the power of the disciples, the power of the Holy Spirit manifest their life that he wants to buy it for a gimmick. And they tell him, you should repent. Because this isn't a joke. It's the power of God. Reading on, Philip goes to Ethiopia. He, he, go, he meets the Ethiopian eunuch who's on his way back from Jerusalem. He's a, he's a servant of a king, and he's in his chariot, and he's reading Isaiah, the prophet, and he doesn't understand what the prophet's saying. And Philip comes up and listens for a minute and then goes up and explains to him the gospel. Philip, one of those who was appointed to wait tables, who has been scattered begins to share the gospel. I wonder when Philip stood outside the, the carriage, was he wondering, oh, I'm not sure I've been trained for this. I, I'm, I'm not sure that, that I have the adequate skill set that's required to, to explain to this very wise man who's reading the scriptures what it means. You know what Philip had? Anyone? No one? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. All of you who are believing in the death, life, resurrection of Jesus Christ have been given the Holy Spirit of God. The same Holy Spirit that was telling Philip, instruct this eunuch, tell him the truth of the gospel. So Philip, not only does Philip tell him the truth, he baptizes him right there. How did he do it? I don't know. There was water. He did it. Right? Now, pastor, you don't mean that we can baptize people. <laughs> Where's my job security if you get to baptize people? What am I here for? Yes. Yes, church. The power of God on you to speak the truth. Checking out verse, uh, chapter 9. We're not going to read it. I'm just going to see what's happening. Saul 
this super bad dude is going to persecute the church? God makes him blind. God makes Saul blind. And he says to Saul directly, why are you persecuting me? You see, Jesus doesn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my poor, sad people? Why are you being honored? He says, why are you against me, Saul? Why? And the very one, the very person who made his mission to destroy the church of God is converted by the God of the universe. He's changed. He's transformed. Saul goes on and uh, oh, I, in chapter 10, and we can't read this, but you can read all this on your own if you want. Peter, who is one of the apostles, right, in Jerusalem, he's being told by God that anything that he has said is clean is clean, and that the things that Peter thinks is unclean is not unclean anymore, and therefore he can enter into the world of those who are far from God and share the gospel of God with them. Matter of fact, he, he demonstrates this by going ahead of him with the Holy Spirit, and this guy named Cornelius. And Peter can't believe it, that when he shows up to preach the gospel, they've already received the Spirit of God. He can't believe it. Jesus changes everything. What did, the, what did he say was going to happen? What did he say? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, Peter's not ready for this. Everywhere, Lord, everywhere, you will share my gospel. It's really funny because um, this dude Barnabas takes Saul in and starts to mentor him. And I'm going to pick up, I just want to read this last bit, and I'm going to talk about why it matters to us. Chapter 11, verse 19 of Acts. This is what the word says. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen... Listen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. It's funny because right away it says, some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus, the good news for everyone, that you don't have to carry your sin burden anymore. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. That's called repentance. They believed the gospel. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they went to Barnabas. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Saul, the destroyer of the church, and Barnabas taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Little Jesuses, little Christs. And um, in case you're wondering, um, it happens in verse 13 whenever Saul is out with Barnabas and the author of Acts begins to call him Paul, the apostle, who would write like what, 40% of the New Testament or something, 60% of the New Testament? The guy who was going to destroy the church of God became his biggest advocate. He believed the gospel. Why does this matter to me as we kind of wrap up this series on being on mission. 
you know, we started kind of talking about what it means to be the church, to do life together, to break bread, to pray. I mean, the beautiful thing is that all of you have the capability of doing that, of, 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 of being, you know, committed to one another in Christian love. All of us can do that. Opening our homes is beautiful. I meant to bring today, and I didn't, and I'm so mad at myself because I just forgot, you know, because I'm human and stuff, but I wanted to bring some of those plastic chairs. You ever seen those plastic lawn chairs? Anybody have those? Right on. College students got them. Yeah? Praise God. Yeah? Anyone not have them anymore? Used to have them? Yeah, that's right. Us too. I don't have them anymore. We used to have them. I don't have them. We've moved up to these fancy like aluminum rocker things, you know? That's what they do. You come to my house, you can set them. They do that. They like wobble. We went to Honduras, and we walk up to people who had, like, shacks, right? Shacks. And when they would see a guest coming, they would run to the back of their house, and they would come out with a stack of those plastic chairs, and they'd put them out, and they'd start lining them up. And I was always saying, nah, don't, 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 don't do that, you know? They did it anyway. Why? Being hospitable, right? Plastic chairs. Matter of fact, this is really funny. A little off topic, but I'll share it with you anyway because we've got a minute. <laughs> they had an auditorium they had built. Oh, it's probably two times bigger than this whole space with the wall out. You know, that probably twice that. Don't you think twice that big? Maybe one and a half times that big? Big concrete structure metal roof exposed had a concrete stage with five steps on it was just you know this is and then they had what 400 plastic chairs they had plastic chairs everywhere it was beautiful I'm like these guys are church planning geniuses we can do this we can have a barn with plastic chairs in it that's what it was yeah they got better weather than we do there though it'd be cold this morning if we were in their church now, there's, there's something to the idea of what we can do, the hospitality. But this is what I want to say today about this, right? Being on mission. Here's what I believe the truth is. God will spread his gospel with or without us. That's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, these churches that, plant, that Paul planted don't exist exist through us, but not the way he started them. You know what I mean? Churches come and go. They pop up, they run a while, they die out. They pop up, they run a while, they die out. I mean, the institutions, you know what I'm saying? Are you with me? The like family Bible churches, you know, the first congregational churches, the Highland Hopes, the Mosaics, the uh, first Baptist churches, the first Baptist churches in Collinsville, the, you know, Metro, who am I forgetting? The Journey St. Louis, you know what I mean? Trailhead. I mean, these places spring up and then run a while and then disappear. Because God will share his gospel either way. He will. And I, I'm struck as a, as a church leader, okay? I'll put quotes on that. Because I'm, I'm thinking we can either choose as a, as a community of faith at Family Bible to really seek out his mission among us and do it. Or I'm convinced of this, and you can take me to task later. He'll destroy us 
and do it anyway. I believe it. I believe it. How many of you have left the church because they weren't doing what God was calling them to do anymore? Yeah. A bunch of you. What are we doing? The truth is that the people of God following Jesus are a sending organization. They're a going organization. They don't get to take a pass on the Great Commission. They don't get to say, well, someone else will go and make disciples, and I'm just going to hang out here. That's not how it works. And I'm not really blaming us because we all have the same disease, and I don't know what it is, and maybe you can explain it to me, but the fundamental truth is that we are called, we're empowered, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. And if we aren't doing that, if we aren't doing that in our lives, if we aren't doing that in our community, if we aren't doing that throughout the world, I'm not sure what use God has for us. Well, that was a little harsh. What are we called to do, right? And what am I called to do? What are you called to do? As the series began, I showed a video. And uh, the video, I don't know if you remember, it had the gates and stuff. And it kind of asked the question, what is keeping you from entering in to worship? What's keeping you on the outside from God? But I think it's funny because I'm, I want to show it to you here and again in a minute. But I want to ask the question, what are the gates that are keeping the church from entering into the mission field? You know, where people who don't know Jesus are where people who don't have hope are found. What are the obstructions that are keeping you from following God in the world? Because I believe that that is the call of the church. And I believe it's true for me and for you and for every other person you'd ever meet who claims Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask the band to come back up, but when they, while they do, I'm going to ask you to watch the screens and think about the places that we will not go, that we will refuse to go in Jesus' name. Peter first confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus responded this way, you are Petros, the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. The gates won't stand against it. 
please pray with me. Father God, we've come to you today as your people, knowing your salvation and knowing your love and indeed knowing your spirit's prompting in us. The manifestation of your power and your gift to us as your people. I pray, Father God, that today um, we repent, that I repent of my refusal to enter in to your mission field. That you would help us see, and not just us, but all your people see, Father God, the work you have for us to do and that we would get busy doing it. That we'd be known as little Christs in the world. That we would be able to point back to you and say, it's because of Jesus I've come. It's because of Jesus I'm not afraid. It's because of Jesus I've given up everything to meet you. Father, may you raise up among us a people of hope and of love, desperation for your presence, of passion, of leadership, that we would enter in with you. And we'll give you praise and glory because you are worthy. We'll join the angels at your throne singing praise to you forever because you're worthy. We thank you for this chance to learn from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.